Barely made it through 2020. <laughs> barely, <laughs> barely made it towards the end. We almost felt like, damn, 2020 almost got you. But thank God for uh, small mercies. You are here with us, and I am forever grateful to you. I'm going to say what happened to you, but we're going to say at least, you know, you know, God, God was with you that day. So that's all yes. that matters. I'm just, I'm so over it. And I just like, I hope, I hope with like everybody else, I'm sure everybody is just looking forward to a new beginning. Yes. It just feels like we lived a decade, <laughs> you know, <laughs> worth of things happening when really it was just like one year. I know. This oh. is, 2020 was the longest year of all of our lives. And we're still on lockdown. I mean, we're still here. It looks like Toronto will be on lockdown until the 25th of January, but well, what's new? Um, but at least we made it to a new year and that alone we should be grateful for. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna talk about what's happened so far, but I just want us to just talk about what do we, we're trying to stay optimistic this year, regardless. We've been through hell in 2020, what are you looking forward to do or to achieve or to keep in 2021? I think like learning from 2020, I think that I want to keep a balance. Um, I don't think I've perfected it, but I think that I want to just try to achieve more balance in my life where, you know, really do the self-care things. So all these hashtags like self-care Sunday, like I really at least want to take the time out to do that. Mm -hmm. I feel as a mother with a young child, like I'm always on the go Mm -hmm. and uh, it's exhausting. So I want to do that. And uh, I am starting a new role this year in in my professional life. So I still want to be, and it's a more demanding role, but I want to still maintain my balance. So yes. that's my big thing. And I think like everybody else, other things like weight loss and money management, mm-hmm. like I need to be, I need to be saving more, but yeah. I want to just say one thing that 2020, as much as there was a lot more like deliveries to the door, <laughs> because it's so easy <laughs> to just like click an order. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I was able to pay off like two debts fully. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. And so that that, I want to, I want to continue that spirit mm-hmm. and, um, and use the money that I was like, you know, putting towards my debt to now put towards more to saving. So that's amazing. But yeah, so what about you? I think 2020, I just want to maintain um, a healthy um, mental health. Um, stop breaking my own heart by having these expectations and putting deadlines on things that I would want to happen in my personal life and just enjoy where I am in my life. I also want to maintain optimal health. I had two surgeries that was to help with my um, autoimmune and I want to make sure that I go into remission and stay in remission. So taking, putting my health paramount and also just spending time with my niece. You know, she is going to be, she is six months 
and so it'll be nice now that she's getting a bit of a personality it'll be great to really spend time with her and have her know who her auntie is and actually on thursdays i will have the privilege of going over to babysit because her mom will be teaching virtually so she needs someone to watch her on thursdays so that will be my job i'll work from their house on thursdays while i watch my my beautiful baby for the whole time and just in and i'm hoping that this is the year that more people get to know Fufu and pat we will see in blogs or on so like people will say this is the and you know podcast to listen to the top black owned black female podcast so i'm hoping for that so just staying optimistic and just living each day as it comes and yeah that's pretty much it yeah being present is such an important thing too like you said you know yes. we're so i don't know i think it's i think it's buddhism or the like that that says that if we think about our past we're depressed we invoke depression or invite depression if we think about the future we invite anxiety mm-hmm. but if you think about if we just stay present that's when we're most at peace so yes. I think if we can really live by that, I know that's hard. It changes day to day, right? But if we can really practice that, I think we'd have like a successful year. We will, God willing. But um, before we, to today's theme is we wanted to focus on new beginnings. And I hate saying new beginnings because I it's like a double, what do you call it? Entendre. <laughs> Uh, yes, you know, it's new. Beginnings are new. But well, I think let's just use beginnings. We're starting with beginnings. It's the first month of the year. We all have resolutions. And this month on Fufu and Pap, we just want to discuss beginnings and how to start. And even our guest today will be helping us with beginnings. But before that, we have a few fun facts that we want to share. And um, the first fun fact that we have is, um, we got it from fsunews.com, is an average of 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by the second week of February. Good habits, especially ones drastically different from typical lifestyles, are hard to get started and even harder to keep. Research shows that it takes approximately 66 days for a habit to become automatic, which is true, because we start the year off in the gym, and by February, the gym is back to <laughs> the main crew that started. So it's hard. Yeah, it's really hard <laughs> to maintain self-control and mental discipline to maintain New Year's resume. And you know what I find too with the gym especially is just like getting there. Because once you're there, it's actually, you know, you're, you're like you motivate you see other people. But yeah, it's just it's just so interesting. Like I, I wonder how the the uh, the gyms do as far as like their profits you know they must see such a huge spike i think um I've, i'm definitely one of those people like i try to be you know create this routine and stuff but you know what i've done i actually start in december i've always done this where i start to get like motivated in december um which is probably the worst time to do it because you're on holiday here <laughs> around food. And like, sometimes I feel like, you know, your personal training sessions are going to waste because you're doing this intense session and you're going mm-hmm. home eating a big dinner. But I feel I do that because I want it to be implanted 
in my mind so that come the new year it's like the second month because as yes. you said it says you know it takes about 66 days there's a really great book called the power of habit mm -hmm. and um, in that book it actually says like three months so it takes about three months so, so 90 days yeah so my theory is if i start in december january is my second month already so i'm only by february it'll be a habit, <laughs> a habit. I I started my working out in in November. Um, oh, that's good. So by yeah. the new year, this so will be like every three months. So I started, but we'll see um, how long it will last. Especially, you know, like with work and everything, trying to get into the rhythm. But I think I have because I just wake up, set my alarm for super early, workout. Then you know I have this process where I'll do lemon and hot water. I'll drink that, finish off my prayers and my devotion take a bath and it helps when you're working from home because it's not the rush to go into an office, you know? So, right. um, the time I would spend commuting is what I spend, you know, getting myself ready. And then the next minute I'm behind my computer and my day starts and I try to get to bed by 9 PM. So okay. then the question is, do I fall asleep at 9 PM? But I try and be in my room by 9 PM. So then I start winding down. So by at least by 10, 10 30, I should be asleep. So I can get up yeah. early. And I'm not waking up at like five in the morning. At least I'm waking up at six thirty to get all of those things done. So it's become a habit. But let's see how we last. Now that I'm in my third month, let's see how I can manage. Well, that's good. I mean you're still oh, I I feel like we're getting a little bit of feedback when I talk, but um that's we're still you know doing virtual so people just have to put up with this but um i was gonna say that another fun fact but this is not i think unheard of is that some of the top new year's resolutions like you've said um including weight loss exercise quitting smoking is a big one and then better money money management and um i feel that uh that most people it's interesting that we always sort of allude to these same type of resolutions and there's some people that just don't believe in resolutions either some people like you said new beginnings i mean every every day every and i know it sounds really cliche but every day is a new opportunity to start afresh but i just think like you know we're just so accustomed to the beginning of the week everybody messes up on the weekend and starts fresh monday <laughs> you know so i think that the new year's resolution i'm all for it i love i love that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um and and there's nothing wrong in falling off and just picking yourself back up to to try to make it better you know so we should always think that too like yes. i i wanted to say too that it is so impressive that you go to bed at night whether or not you fall asleep you have this routine and that is so important to become successful in like anything you do, right? Yes, you have to. And that's with me, once I start, when I have a routine, it's easier for me to follow. I mean, there's some days where, you know, it, it doesn't go as planned, you know, but at the end of the day, if you're able to maintain that most days, then it's easier for you to fall into it. Um, I still try and have a life, you know, there's some days like Sundays I'll stay up longer because maybe PV's really good, but then I try as much as possible. Thank God for PVR. Like you just catch up the next day or over the weekend with the shows you need to watch. But I just realized that if I go to sleep later, it makes it harder for me to wake up. And then I put in less effort into the workout or right. I just find ways to justify why I need to sleep instead of working out. 
And so now I'm just like, you know what? Let me just focus on this because I have a photo shoot for my 39th birthday. I want to have a photo shoot for my 39th birthday. So I want to make sure that when I'm taking, and I'm not waiting till 40 because that will make me feel like I have time, but I'm wanting for my 39th because I want to remember at least the last year of my 30s, I made it a point to change my look for me. And then as I enter into my new decade, it'll be, you know, I'll be super fabulous. So I'm working. Yes. I just need to feel my mouth. It's hard to maintain (laughs) eating healthy, but the more you work out, the more you're like, do I really want a piece of cake when I've just spent, you know, an hour burning calories? Let me just eat an apple instead. So it's taking each day as it comes. That's maturity, girl. We have a guest today, which is so, I'm excited to have her. She has been so monumental for Fufu and Path. And even in this direction that we're going, she has helped us remodel and rebrand. And she's just amazing. And um, I'm sure that having her on this podcast, people are going to enjoy listening to her. They're going to get some really great points from her because especially if you're trying to start a business in the new year. I think 2020 taught us that, you know, sometimes our nine to fives are not um, sustainable because of, I mean, a lot of people lost their jobs. So it's being able to revamp yourself and figure out what am I going to do? How do I bring in more income? How do I start that business? How do I get that recognition? Especially if you're trying to be a personality how do I get my name out there and the brand out there and I think she's going to be perfect and we chose her to start the new year with us because we felt like she will definitely give us the tips to get this new year going and we hope nothing crazy happens this year but at least help us stay on path for the rest of the year God willing with our plans and our goals and what's not so um yeah go ahead and she's really good at um i mean we'll we'll learn about it some more but she's really good at helping people to um, find their identity as far Mm -hmm. as like if you are if you do have an existing business then um and you're sort of lost or you need a revamp she's really good at being able to pull out your brand strategy yes and find um your identity again or define your identity more mm-hmm. clearly i would say so yes. that's been a really interesting process that yes. we've, we've gone through with her we have like so it's really exciting it's 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 gonna be fun so do we want to take a short break and come back i was and, just gonna say that yeah and then when we come back we will have our guest on our show with us see see you soon guys yeah. Hey 
Okay, everyone, we're back and we have our guest with us, Sessa Collective CEO and founder, Mila Olumoba, who is joining us today all the way from Gatineau. Welcome, Mila. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, ladies, <laughs> from the country of Quebec. No, I'm just joking. We always say that it's a different country. Yeah, but, really? um, <laughs> especially during this, this pandemic, it has really yeah. felt like a different country. So are you, are you fluent in French, by the way? I am fluent in French. I grew up on the Ottawa side in the East End, and so it's, it's very French, but my mom is Haitian, so she speaks French, and my dad is Ghanaian Lebanese. Uh, he's Anglophone, but it was really important for my mom that uh, we learned French because she knew that, you know, at home and because of like pop culture and TV, we would learn English no matter what. Mm -hmm. uh, so we went to French school our whole life. Not French immersion, the real deal. <laughs> I went to French immersion. <laughs> yeah, and how yeah. good's your French? <laughs> exactly. I'm doing Duolingo as we speak. Me too. Listen, me too. Me too. And I lived in Montreal for like a total of 15 years. And I still, I'm still doing Duolingo. <laughs> For the world who doesn't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, okay. Uh, I generally hate talking about myself, so <laughs> I don't... Do you want to know, like, by bio, professionally? Like, what do you want to know about me? So I guess um, about your, your professional life, because obviously you've created this company called Sessa Collective. And so what, what about you got you to do what you do and what exactly is? And like perhaps your path. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I have a, an, I've been working in the marketing field for uh, over 13 years now. Mm -hmm. um, I have an undergrad in communications and a master's in marketing communications, which I did uh, in London, England. I actually, the, the concept of race or being interested in, in the systems of race and, and everything actually started without actually just thinking, talking to you guys now, I'm just kind of making that connection, but it actually started when I was doing my master's. Uh, I did my thesis on social comparison and race in beauty and cosmetic advertising. And the reason for that is because when I lived in the UK, I realized that a lot of their advertising or most of their advertising is white women, which I found to be really odd because the UK has such a large Indian and black community. Mm -hmm. And these are major brands that exist in North America and they have the advertising already done for black people. So why would they not use it in the UK? And so I did a cross-cultural analysis between North America and uh, the UK. And I interviewed several women from both areas to understand like what their buying decisions were based on the advertising. And it was actually really interesting because women in North America identify more with the race of the model as an impetus to purchase. Whereas women in the UK 
uh, identify more with the nationality before the race. So they care more that the model is British before she is black, and which is why they don't care to use colored models. What British women care about is if they have their color and shade at point of purchase, they don't care about the advertising. So I spent a lot of time diving into race and marketing. And then I moved back to North America to uh, be with my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time. And we decided to move to Toronto because, because I am bilingual, uh, we knew that it would um, be a lot easier for me to find a job in marketing being bilingual in an Anglophone city. So my you know, day job has always been really in the healthcare space. I do healthcare marketing. So I started out in uh, medical devices. Then I went into occupational health and now I'm in dentistry. So I have a career of building marketing departments where they didn't exist. So every organization that I've been with, uh, I've been their base first marketing person uh, tasked with the very marketing department where there was not one before. Um, and so that as a unique kind of skill set that is required because when you're walking into someone else's shoes, you kind of have a framework on what's there. And it also generally means that the company has done marketing before. When you are entering a space that there's no marketing department, it's much more difficult because you're constantly fighting for um, people to believe in what you do and um, the spend that is required there. So it's always an uphill battle. And generally speaking, I build the department, I build the team, I get them set up and then I leave and I move on to the next one. And so that's kind of what I've done in the last, over the last, uh, I would say over the last 10 years, uh, I've kind of stayed with companies from three to five years, and then I move on to the next. Um, I did a stint in agency before I went off and did my master's. So I've kind of have both uh, spectrums where I did client side and agency side. Um, so yeah, so that's my day job. I have a full-time day job as a VP of marketing for a, med uh, for a dentistry company. Uh, I have two young girls, two and one years old, mm -hmm. and on the free time, which is laughable <laughs> to say that, on the free time that I have, uh, I work on CESA, which I founded in summer 2020. That's actually going into our, our next question, but one thing I, I find super interesting, everything you just said is like amazing and super interesting. Um, especially I love your thesis topic that is incredible. One thing with marketing I find is that, um, especially when uh, there isn't an established like team in a company and they bring in an external, let's say, is they're very, I think companies are always really unrealistic about how much it, it's gonna cost to um, invest like in, in marketing like those sorts of things i mean <clears throat> there's so many avenues i find nowadays that are free right like all the social media stuff but I, I i speak with experience in like where i work they're always so unrealistic with how much we really need to put out in order to get what we are really expecting it's almost like when you're 
you have your wish list for what you want for your first home, but you're not realistic about <laughs> the actual price of everything that you want on your wish list. And I yeah. find that um, with marketing, that's how it is too. Because I'm I'm an, I'm a recruiter, so I I dabble. I'm with the marketing team, and I'm always like, you guys really don't know how much things cost, you know? So it's, it's, it and and what people don't understand too is like establishing a brand is just as important as the like lead generation marketing and all that stuff. And people also don't understand that, you know, there are different objectives for different things and those have different price tags to it. And so it's, you know, it's something that I face when I am at work, certainly. And some at this current job, I've kind of do and then ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but generally speaking, when I do that, I um, am able to prove why I've done something and then they don't get upset as to why I've spent. But I have the same conversations too with my SESA clients. It's like, you know, a lot of the clients I've had to be like, hold on, let's rein it in. We're going to start from ground zero and then we'll work up. So, you know, with SESA, I have like, you know, people will fill out the intake form and fill out the business, um, you know, the detail form. And I would say about 80% of the time, what the client thinks that they need is not at all what we end up working on with them. Um, and so it's like I, that experience in my, you know, professional life has really supported my work with SESA. And I'm a strategist, like that's my, um, my specialty. I'm a marketing strategist. So when, you know, I'm in situations where I have to justify to people why a strategy is important, it can get really frustrating <laughs> because I'm like, this is what I do. This is what I've been doing for over a decade. <laughs> Please just trust me. You know, <laughs> it's, it's the funniest thing. I just think that that's so common, like with marketing, like, I mean, I, I don't want to speak out of like my senior leadership team, <laughs> but I always find like there's too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to communications, because it feels like every everybody thinks they know and you're like trust the expert like this is why they are here you know but it's it's just um you you mentioned I mean you've you've mentioned your uh, company uh Sessa Collective um can you I know you kind of went into like what drove you or you sort of touched on uh how you got there but can you sort of explain exactly what Sessa Collective is um I think from what you said before a part of your um your educational background like drove you to creating this uh collective on your own and perhaps like what does SESA stand for and like how did that where did that name come from sure well it's honestly like I it's a it's a beautiful story I some I I might get emotional because I, I really get emotional when I talk about it and when I think about it but um in I mean we we all lived summer 2020 and the absolute devastation of watching someone's life be so callously taken from them. And, you know, we've become so desensitized to police brutality that you never know which story is going to be the one to really get people thinking. Mm -hmm. But I think the George Floyd murder was all those people that like have spent time just ignoring cries of black people finally like their backs were raised because i think 
most human beings could see that this was one human being treating another like an animal. Mm-hmm. And that like, I, I didn't even watch the full video because I didn't watch the video because I refused to watch the murder of black people mm-hmm. broadcasted, but I've seen the images, right? So um, when the protests sparked and everything was going on, I was having a really hard time. I was very, de- I got very depressed. I was having a hard time sleeping. Um, and I just felt like, oh my God, I just brought two little black girls into a world that does not value their lives. And what am I going to do about it? What am I going to tell my daughters in 20 years when they asked me, what did you do, mom, in summer 2020? Did you just post a black square on Instagram? You know what I mean? And so my, I'm not one to go protest. It's just not my thing. But when my 65-year-old mother, who's very scared of COVID, in the middle of a pandemic, went to protest at the Black Lives Matter protest, I was like, all right, well, I I can't just sit by. My husband runs his own not-for-profit for for, um, Black youth that are embroiled in the criminal justice system. He's been working on it for five years now. It's doing really well. And so I watch him every day kind of walk the walk you know, he wants to make change and he works at it every single day. And so I just thought to myself, like, you know, what are you going to do to be of service to the world? And I couldn't think of anything. I was like, I have nothing to offer. Um, and then I realized, like, actually, no, you, you have your marketing skills that you can offer. And so it just started with me putting out one little post on Instagram saying, for a limited time, I'm going to offer free marketing consulting services to um, Black and Indigenous business owner, holler at me if you're interested. And I got a few bites. um, And then someone here, a photographer, messaged me and she's like, I really love this idea that you're doing. Um, I would love to offer photography to any businesses that you're supporting that are in the Ottawa region. I'll volunteer my photography services. And when she sent me that message, I thought to myself, oh shit, if I just put the call out to my network, like we could make this a thing. Like we could be a group of people who are just offering our skills for free to help grow black businesses. Like, and in 72 hours, Sessa was born. I put the call out to my network just on an Instagram story video And I got like, in the first 72 hours, I think I got like 30 volunteers, people putting their hand up saying like, I could do graphic design, I could do web, I could do content writing. Um, So many people messaged me being like, I don't have any marketing skills, but I'd really love to support, like what can I do? Okay, can you do some social media research? So help me find some posts to put on the page. Um, And then my dad, is getting in. And so I asked Anis Fante and I asked him, you know, what, I asked him a bunch of different words, like what are the words I can use? And then I was like, what's the word for change? And it's Sessa. And I just like, it was perfect. It's short, It from a branding standpoint, it works really well. Um, and that's how Sessa was born. And the logo is the Adinkra symbol for support. Um, 
and you know we've been we launched the website and and started accepting applications in august like we turned it around from from the day that i said okay i want to do this sessa collective is born there's a logo to us having a website and accepting applications i think it was like a four week turnaround um my right hand whose name is dorian he like put together the website designed it and everything ahead of schedule and we were ready to launch and and we did in august that's so amazing because we um in fancy there was a saying and i'm going to use let's say it in fancy and then i'm going to translate it's basically basically means if you sell your disease you'll get cured um so it's amazing where you put out you started this and then you're like hmm let me see who's going to buy it and all these people came around and said i'm going to support you with this venture and i remember when i saw it on um your instagram i was like this is what we need this is what Pat needs and i'll just immediately emailed you and said i want i am the i, I didn't have services to offer i wanted to be the one on the receiving end how can we help how can you help us grow this brand and working with you so far has been amazing you have opened our eyes to so many things allowed our creative juices to flow and um this is um leading to my next question because here we are we are a podcast we are trying to be a multimedia company what kind of clients are you currently servicing and i mean um and i don't mean uh because you didn't mention black and indigenous but is there a particular group of people are you looking at more retailers more brand people more people who are you looking to attract or who have you attracted so far in terms of clients and what are you looking to attract in the future with clientele well, first I'll say you guys were our first application. Yes. <laughs> and it was so funny when I got it, I was like, oh my God, it's working. Like people are flying. Um, we, I think our first, what I call like our first class, like 10 different businesses, I think it was. Um, we have all types. We had two not-for-profits. Uh, both servicing black youth in um, the GTA. Uh, we had an HR consultant. We have a healthcare consultant duo. We have some retail. Um, we had uh, one, two, three, four retail clients. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of hit like all the industries. Um, we're not specific on um, what kind of business it is or what um, what like where you are at in your business. You could be just at ideation phase. You could be operating for a long time. Like we're we're not specific at all. Our main objective is to level the playing field. That's all I want. Mm -hmm. I am a firm believer in if you want something that doesn't exist, do it yourself, mm -hmm. like create it yourself. Um, so I could not find 
where I couldn't find anything like this out there. Uh, you know, it exists in the legal framework where you have, you know, um, legal, like free legal aid and stuff like that. But I didn't see it in the marketing space or the business growth service space. Uh, I did see some agencies that, spe that um, specialize in marketing for black owned businesses, but they are for cost. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I just really opened it up to all like black and indigenous businesses. We've, I would say we're our, kind of our boundaries lie so far as we've been really sticking to North American businesses. Uh, because I have volunteers in the US and in Canada, I didn't want to just make it for Canadian businesses. But I would say that uh, all of our businesses, except for two, are in Canada. Okay. In addition to all this, like you're a VP of, um, you know, of marketing for uh, another organization and you're a mother of two young girls under five. So like, you know, you should be plastered on billboards because... <laughs> <laughs> I don't sleep much, but that's overrated anyways. <laughs> your hat definitely you know, it, it, it's, your hat says to come on. So you literally are a <laughs> This is why I didn't brush my hair hat today. <laughs> <laughs> well I mean working in the corporate world can be soul sucking. Mm -hmm. And I have always felt that my purpose to be happy needed to be in a way where I could be of service to the world. Um, it doesn't matter how big or small, I just needed to feel like I was doing something that would be of service to the world. And I have yet to get that feeling in any of my jobs in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't like, I don't do marketing for bad things like cigarettes or something right like especially my first big career job was selling defibrillators so that's saving people's lives so it's not like i'm selling bad things in my day job i just you know corporate canada can be very sexist and racist mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um most people don't see their comments as that but the older i get the more and more I'm like cringing and just like biting my tongue because at the end of the day, like I don't make a dime off of Sessa and my day job pays my bills, right? So I still find myself like cringing at things that uh, in a normal setting, I would definitely put someone in their place. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I need Sessa just as much as our clients do because for me it brings me immense joy um it gives me that fulfillment i don't get from my day job which is you know being of service mm -hmm. um and i get i feel like such a proud mom when i see my clients like taking the advice that i've given them and running with it and i keep an eye on everybody i've always like i always um remain like available to my clients even if our projects are done like if they have questions and stuff like that and it makes me really proud to see them grow and to see um them try things out that i've that i've asked them to and so um certainly it's you know my third child and i'm very proud of it and it it, it brings me a lot of joy. You know, some days I definitely feel like I'm letting people down and I'm not responding fast enough and I'm not 
not, you know, completing strategies for people fast enough or helping my clients fast enough. But I, I do have to remember, okay, like self-care and your mental health is just as important as supporting your clients. Because if you're not in your best headspace, then you're not going to be able to be of service anyways. So I do definitely try to, um, you know, set boundaries and, and, and take care of myself when I need to. But um, it, it is very important to me to see this grow and to see this um, become something bigger. Well, it's actually interesting that you're talking about like, um, you know, setting boundaries because one thing I was curious about is, you know, setting like your, how do you balance it? Because there are so, there, there's so much going on. There's so many moving parts as, you know, people say. Um, and I understand too that part about like being a service provider. We have very similar, I, I'd say like interests and story because um, I started off in marketing. I have, uh, I went to college for marketing, so I didn't like continue it, continue on with it, but I've always had this struggle between um, marketing and like the corporate world, like you say, and then, you know, I've switched back and forth to nonprofit to corporate, not because it was like this internal struggle. And something Adjo and I always talk about during this COVID period, a lot of people, um, for example, in the role that I do, I advise people on like, uh, like an educational pathway. So do they want to complete a doctorate degree? Do they want to complete a master's degree? And I would say like 95% of people um, have come because they want to be a service provider. They want to find, like they've been working in finance for 20 years, let's say, and they want to become a teacher or a psychotherapist or a psychologist. And I just find that really interesting. I think that the balance um, and we, everybody kind of gets to this point where they do want to provide some sort of service. So it's like, it's amazing that you've been able to find both. And the fact that, you know, it's a, it's a company. So it's, it's not like uh, what I see in, in our industry. So like within education or higher education, it's usually like task forces that come in to try to solve a problem, but then they're out, you know, and there's no maintenance and there's no, so it's just a beautiful thing to see that, you know, yours is this collective and you, you have to just like, you're only able to give what <clears throat> you can. I think people will just appreciate, like, we just appreciate that you're able to give us this one hour, <laughs> you know, like during Christmas break. And so, um, but, you know, moving on to um, sort of on the topic of like fresh start, fresh starts, what would you advise uh, someone who's looking to start a business because you clearly have experience in in starting this uh collective so what would you well, sorry before i'm sorry i'm just so excited about you mila and i've told that before in the topic <laughs> i just feel like i can talk to you all day every day but um one thing <laughs> i did oh, shoot now i just lost it actually it's gonna come back to me so maybe just uh, if, you, if you see how excited i am um if you talk about <laughs> Oh, I got it. I got it. Sorry, I'm going back and forth. I was going to say, with you putting out the call um, for yourself, giving out this marketing consult consultation, it just goes to show that there are so many people who are like-minded, but they need a leader. You know, they just need somebody to be like, hey, can somebody lead this, but I'll contribute. And like, it's just an amazing thing, like for, for whoever decides to be that person to be like, hey, I'm willing to lead, but I do need the help to like to make this happen so I just thought that's incredible my but. husband actually my husband actually just you know there's a name for that 
actually, um, that my husband just told me. It's called um, servant leadership. And it's about, it, it, like, it means to be a leader, but not in the sense of, you know, because you want to have power over people. It's because you want to give people power. And so whether in the corporate world or through this, like my job and anytime I have a team, I feel like my role as the leader is always only to empower them to be their best self. My objective is always that my team and my staff is better than me and that I can go and when I have to go and, and, and you know, show my reports to the, to the big honchos that I can say, this person did that, this person did, like, I don't want to take the credit for it. I want to help you shine because otherwise what's the in a leadership position if I'm just there to take the credit for it. So it's, that's very important to me for sure is to, and, and in fact, like I've fallen in a place where I've actually been the, like having to take on most of the clients myself and my, my right hand, Dorian's always like, Mila, you have to stop taking on projects. You have to work on the organization and building the organization and let volunteers take on the projects. And I'm like, but this one's so cool. And I know exactly what they should do. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, stop it. I'm like, oh, just this one, just this next one. <laughs> and so he's like convinced me. So now I'm like, I'm, you know, in the new year, um, I'm going to start teaching whichever volunteers are interested how to build brand stories so that, I don't have to do it anymore and I can work on the organization. The organization is going to take a pretty big pivot next year. Um, uh, a part of CESA that's really a little bit difficult and time consuming is volunteer recruitment. Um, you know, the one thing that I learned is that people had the greatest intentions when they raise their hands to volunteer. But as soon as we were no longer a trending hashtag, a lot of the volunteers dropped off. And uh, whenever I had a project and I had to put a call out for volunteers, it was like radio silence, which is why I ended up taking on a lot of the projects because I didn't have people to do it. And so, or that like I had really excited people, but they just weren't the right skill set to take on that project. So it's kind of like I had a lot of people who wanted to volunteer, but they just weren't the skill set that I needed for the for the project. So I had to take them on myself. Um, and so my my hope is to pivot in a way where we actually partner um, with agencies and get their staff to do the volunteering. So, you know, start creating contracts with agencies where they'll commit to taking, I don't know, five or 10 clients, uh, client projects of CESAs for the year. And that way we would have a funnel of really highly skilled volunteers. The agency can use it for their marketing purposes and their um, corporate social responsibility. And, you know, we kind of act more as the, um, project managers of course we can take on individual volunteers as they as people want to apply but me going out and looking for volunteers having to meet every single volunteer it's just too much and too time consuming just to have people drop off yeah I think that's like a common um, that's always like the common thing with like volunteer 
ism kind of thing is that for sure it's always good intention in the beginning and you know like things come up but that whole thing too about like when the hashtag wasn't trending we talk about that all the time Adjo and I um like with people also you know just putting up that black square (laughs) on on social media like what have you done after and like it's it's still there so it's just you know why have people kind of stopped um but I think let's take a quick break um, because we've doing we've been doing a lot of talking and we'll be right back. is really going well that um there's so much more to ask you mila and as you talk i just like okay we need to ask this we need to ask this this interview might end up being 10 hours but like <laughs> there's so much to ask but <laughs> you mentioned i also like have i touched on starting new business like on i don't know if i even answered the question properly about um what should people think about when starting a business? So I no, we moved it to the bottom. That and we can no, we okay. moved it to the bottom because we feel like that will go better with our our question as well. So, um, but this oh, I perfect. don't want to lose what you said because it was very important. Um, this whole twenty twenty, all of a sudden, our lives somewhat started to matter. It I still don't believe it does, but somewhat Black lives started to matter after, as you said, George Floyd and everything else, businesses, um, Black people were able to speak up and say, hey, we're not being seen in our companies. You know, leadership looks all the way crazy. You know, what is happening to Black talent? And you mentioned that when we were a trending hashtag, we had more people raising their hands to volunteer or to be a part of this change. We even saw it on social media and the news where companies all of a sudden were willing to help out black people and now once things have quieted down and we're back to the conversation of covid and what's not and black lives we still haven't had justice for brianna taylor black lives are back in the sidelines or the back of the bus um people have slowly started to drop off do you think it's one of the problems that black businesses are facing is that the lack of support from other people or from our own people and what can we do to get that support back on um on board especially when you're starting a new business or you're looking to keep your business going or to get more recognition well God, I could go on such a long <laughs> colonial rant right now. <laughs> but I will try to read it in as much as possible. I think the biggest problem is our own, as Black people, not supporting each other in business. Mm-hmm. Um, because before we can fix or work on systemic racism, we have to fix and work on all of the 
you know, systemic issues within the black community. Right. Like even just the idea of like, you know, shadism mm. in, in, in black culture. Like, oh, the light skins or the dark skins. Like I hear it all the time. I'm the lightest of four kids and they still call me whitey or they'll be like, oh, you're not even black, Mila. Like, what do you know? You know, I still to this day here, like, oh, oh, look at you trying to be all activists. You ain't even that black, you know? And it's like, we share the exact gene pool. So I don't know what you're talking about. And so the idea of gangs, like we take so much effort to interfight within ourselves and to kill each other Mm -hmm. that we, how can we even start supporting our businesses, each other's businesses, right? So I think black people, like we need to get it together. And by get it together, I mean like, we need to be a community again. Like, especially the African diaspora that comes from the whole, value and moral system of the village and the village raising each other. Like we've lost that in, in, in the grand scheme of things. We've lost community. We've lost our desire to support each other. My dad told me the other day, and I don't know what the exact stat is, but something like it takes six times for $1 to be used in the Jewish community before it leaves. Right? So that means that the Jewish community, they're supporting each other. They are buying from each other. They're buying from each other's businesses first before going outside of the community. And we don't do that. We are so busy hating each other. And that has deep roots in slavery and colonialism. Like this is by design because if black people were all united, there would be no police brutality. There would be no systemic racism. There would be none of this shit because we wouldn't stand for it. Mm -hmm. We are too strong. We are too many Mm -hmm. to be oppressed, but we are oppressed because we are divided. So with this division, you, you don't support each other. So I think like, you know, even when I talk about it on how to start a business, it's like, let's rein it back in and start from scratch. Like that's really where it comes down to in the black community. Like, before we even think about supporting each other's businesses, we have to believe, really believe to our core about supporting each other. And like that, you know, on the website, I say it like, Sessa is my love letter to the black community. Sessa is my attempt at trying to build our community back up and be, you know, together again. Because if we can be together and we can support each other and we can take care of each other's children and we can raise up another generation to that their first thought is like, how does this support my people? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of other cultures do that. Like that's their first thought. Like how does it support my community? How, how come there's like, Chinatowns, little Italy, little, you know, whatever in a bunch of different cities. That's because those communities get together and build something beautiful. Mm-hmm. We are so busy chasing, you know, material things that we forgot about our villages, we forgot about our communities, and we forgot about what it meant to be a part of something greater. Like, 
black people are royalty and we have forgotten that because we have tied our entire story and our entire narrative of who we are into slavery and that just means that we're continuing and perpetuating the abuse of slavery without freeing our own selves from the chains right like now it's all mental chains it's not it's it's not the physical ones that we had and i'm not like i'm not discounting at all the oppressive system don't get me wrong but to fight the oppressive system and to make changes you gotta break the shackles yourself you have to like look to your literal neighbor and see what you can do for your neighbor mm-hmm. support one black person this year support one black business you've already done more than you've done in the last five years right so i think you know black people as a community we need to a stop separating ourselves well they're caribbean they're african they're west african they're east like who cares Mm -hmm. you're black let's support each other buy from each other work with each other offer your services to your to your fellow neighbor and then that's where we can start seeing the flourishing of things like businesses neighborhoods uh not for profits all that stuff is if we just at its core value start supporting each other it's so funny like you think about it as you said they're chinatown they're um um jewish neighborhoods they're little italy's there's greek town all of those places and when black chinese um asian uh, chinese and jewish and greeks and italians they want to live in those neighborhoods and they have made it such that to a point where even their road signs are in their languages. And for us, the black neighborhoods, quote unquote, are in the ghetto, impoverished, and people are afraid to go there. And they don't want to live there because people are going to see you as ghetto. And one of the things I have been thinking about recently- Go ahead. It's because we are destroying our own communities. Yes. Well, like, why, why are black people, why are drug dealers selling drugs within their own communities? Why are we shooting each other up within our own communities? Yeah. That's why they become the ghetto, because we are destroying our communities. Mm-hmm. And, and I, again, again, I'm not discounting all of socioeconomic layers that, that, that are there. Mm-hmm. But, like, we we also have to play a role into making those communities and those places safe and livable and flourish because trust me white people are not going to hand it to us they are not they're going to sit back and watch us kill each other and not care one of the things i was thinking about i was like i would love to come together with a group of black people and create a neighborhood where it's safe it has a certain group of black people there you know, young professionals or professionals, you know, and we only, we have a street or we have a block or whatever. We have our schools, we have our grocery stores, it's all black owned. And you have to be either married to a black person if you are an interracial couple or you're a black couple who own property there so that our kids can live in a neighborhood where they go to schools where by majority black people it's not they have well, most of their classmates is black they're learning about whatever their neighborhoods are safe they can go to the playgrounds and not be afraid to live to play in those playgrounds 
our property values are through the roof because it's a quality neighborhood. But how many people want to do that? Not so many people. And even to talk about um, your Black businesses, um, us supporting Black businesses, I've noticed a trend that we are so quick to speak so ill of a Black business if we do not get the service that we're looking for or you know they're not giving us what we need and we're quick to say let's cancel them let's forget about them and then we go and support other businesses other communities and they disrespect us and we keep going there we've heard copious amounts of um people complain about going to nail salons owned by asians and they've been disrespected going to the asian grocery stores they've been disrespected you go to some of these high-end stores and they follow you around like a thief. But then you will not support black business because, oh, they're too, they sell clothes and sweatshirt for $80. It's too expensive. But you'll rather go to Gucci and pay $150 for the same sweatshirt you're getting in the black community. Oh, um, black person says, I do not have a return policy. It's final sale. And then you create videos on YouTube to destroy that black business because they have their rules and regulations, which clearly stated, and yet you do not want to, um, because they didn't give you back your money for a service that they already told you it's final sale, and then you'll go to a business like Walmart and buy something and they will tell you without a receipt, without this, you cannot return it, or they'll tell you it's final sale and you have to respect that. I guess it goes back to you saying that we need to change the narrative. But for Black businesses that are not given quote unquote professional service, because sometimes we have to admit our own people, you go and patronize our business and the customer service you receive is <clears throat> by far deplorable. Um, you want to get a Black painter to come and paint your house, he comes late, he always has something going on, you know, they don't give you the quality of service and then you want to end up going outside of your community. What can you advise businesses <coughs> who behave in such a manner, how to change, and how can we as patrons still um, solicit those businesses as well? Well, I am never going to blindly support anybody, right? So it's like, uh, you know, oh, well, vote for this person because she's a woman, even though she's got a terrible track record, right? Like, I'm not going to blindly support people just because they fit within a box that I want to support. However, I will always give people a chance once, twice, and then move on, right? Um, and it's like, aside from businesses, we live in the cancel culture, right? Like, oh, they did this wrong, we're done. And so I think all small businesses, even like including black businesses, like we have to be more mindful that they don't have the resources that like a Walmart has. And there is nothing that infuriates me more than someone tearing other people down for no reason, especially women tearing down other women for no reason. Like, you know, I, I know what, I know the example you were giving 
And to think that someone would use their platform to tear down another group of black women doing their business over a $15 purchase, um, you know, that wanted their money back, but wasn't prepared to give the product back. Like in what world are you going to get your money back without giving the product back? Like you want to, you want to return something at Old Navy and expect your money back. They're going to want the t-shirt back. You know what I mean? Like, so that has to change. Like we have to build each other up. We have to build each other up. Hey, if I hire someone white, black, Asian, brown, whatever, and they consistently are showing up late to my house to do the service, I'm just not going to rehire you. I don't care what race you are. Right. But I will always give the chance to the person of color when I can, but they will be measured in the same way that I measure everybody else. Exactly. So that's what like, no one's asking for handouts. And no one's asking for special treatment. People are, what I feel, at least when I'm working with my clients, is they just want to be given the opportunity, right? And that's the thing. Black people are always afraid of getting help. Black, and I, I say, I don't say black people, I want to say like black entrepreneurs are afraid of getting help because they don't want to feel like it was handed to them. They want, we are constantly told to prove that we got it fair and square. Well, guess what? It isn't fair and square. The game is not fair. It is rigged against us. So take the help, take the support, get the resources so you can be on an equal footing to your counterparts, right? So I, I say like give people the equal treatment that you would give anybody else, right? Like if you're going to accept crappy service at Walmart and keep going back, then why are you not going to accept crappy service at Sunrise and keep going back? Because they have terrible service. <laughs> but that oxtail is good as hell. So. Uh, <laughs> but their customer service is horrible. But we know going in there, customer service is horrible. And listen, I go to a lot of other restaurants that their customer service is horrible. So I'm not going to like not go to the black business because I do it for other places. I just think we have to like be more mindful of the fact, especially in small businesses, that their reality is not the same as large conglomerates and they don't have the same resources. Girl, let me tell you, last year, there's no way I would have spent $18 shipping on something. Yes. But shopping in a small business, I was like, you know what? It's fine. They don't have the reach that Amazon has. They don't have, they can't give me free shipping because so like this holiday season, man, I bought a lot of stuff that I spent an exorbitant amount on shipping for, but I felt like, you know what, this is going to mean way more to this person than Jeff Bezos. So exactly. let me do that. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to shift our mindset. Like, you know, instead of expecting a bargain or expecting a special treatment or expecting things like just support each other mm -hmm. like shit why is that so hard just support each other it is um it is a sad reality that we live in a world um um that people feel like supporting your own is such a negative thing which is not but this is how the dollar stays in the community because I I'm not sure what the the statistic is. But I also heard that black people basically contribute, and maybe this is to the U.S. economy, but um, about six trillion dollars a year to consumerism, 
And that is money that is going to every other community but the Black community. And this could have been money that could be in our communities where we would have low unemployment rate, people, you know, more people would be um, living in safe neighborhoods, schools would be able to give better education to the Black schools, um, we will have more graduation rates, we would have more doctors coming out, um, we would have more people in lower income neighborhoods seeing that there are possibilities outside of sports and entertainment to get out of their communities, you know, if we were giving back to these communities. So um, we have a lot of work to do as Black people. And I feel like, you know, unfortunately, we've had to, certain people's lives have had to be sacrificed in order for us to wake up and say, hey, it's about time we start treating our own people and giving back and stop being so critical towards our own and be more um, willing to support our own people. And I think the sad reality is too, is that we have to be aware and realize that on a large scale, our lives don't matter to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And we have to stop looking for the external validation of those people and make them matter to ourselves, to our own communities. Like we as black people have to feel like our lives matter within ourselves before we can look to our oppressor as the one care about our lives. Like I'm at the point now where I feel like they, police are purposely killing black people just to keep black people in check, just to remind black people that we don't care about your lives. So every time there's a new shooting or a new police killing in the US, I'm like, this is by design. This is not a mistake. They are doing this to remind you that we have control over your body. So like, stop looking to them to care about our lives. Just stop. Like, let's care about our own lives and our own communities and uplift each other. And then maybe they will come around. And if they do, and when they do, fantastic. But if Black people as a whole around the world, because there's a lot of us, all started caring about each other as opposed to our superficial divisions, we wouldn't care and wouldn't need the oppressor to worry about whether our lives matter because our lives would matter to each other and we wouldn't need that so my yeah. partner my partner says the same thing sorry i had to take a, a call that's why i was mia there for a second but my my partner who also he works in i would say sports and uh, diversity and inclusivity he always says um you know you cannot look to a white person to solve um to solve racism and a lot of the time people think that well no i mean it's 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 everybody else that is sort of um that are bringing on these issues of racism however it's like you're trying to make people care about things that are not like they're like a white person is not innately thinking about those things because that's not something that they face on an everyday basis so it's like you're really you're forcing somebody to care about something that they really have no skin in. Do you know what I mean? Like no pun intended. But. And it's also, it's the, they built the system. They exactly. built the system to work in their favor. The system is working exactly as, as, as it is designed to. So you can't ask somebody that 
has built a system to benefit them to now dismantle that system. Yeah, exactly. It's like I, I, my philosophy on it is that it is so innate. It is so deeply embedded and ingrained in who they are as a people that for sure, why would they, why would they then, like you say, dismantle a system that's not going to benefit them? Right. So that is like the, the, like the overarching sort of argument I find that most people they're always going back and forth with like, well, who do you put the responsibility on and the accountability, um, the accountability on? But I just feel like I missed like such a great conversation. <laughs> well, I just like, I had, I had my camera off, but I could just see like both of you guys going in. Like, oh my God, hurry up on this call. I need to get into this conversation. I, 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 I believe that the accountability is, is on black people to change the system. And I believe I don't believe we can do it alone, but I believe it starts with us. And I believe, I do believe in, in, in white allies. I certainly do. Um, Dorian, my right hand is white and he's down for the cause. Like his wife is down for the cause. In fact, she worked on the enslaved documentary series on CBC. Like there are true allies out there. We can't like, discount all white people or or all non-black people as Mm -hmm. you know being part of the problem i do feel like there are people who are like this is fucked and we need to change it but they're not going to change it for us like it's okay i this is the same i i go through this with with clients and says so i'm not going to run after clients i'm not going to want more for their business than they are going to want it right so when people don't respond when people don't get back to me that's fine you do you boo i'm not gonna run after you when you're ready to engage we will have that that conversation right so it's the same thing with black people like we can't expect that other people are going to work on dismantling a system that oppresses them if the system is not oppressing them exactly right it's up to us to get it started and work with allies to help us get our voices heard bringing it back to um, marketing specifically um, as a marketing professional Anila what do you think is the number one marketing mistake businesses make specifically small owned businesses um well I'm sure depending on which marketing professional you'd ask we'd have different opinions but in my opinion um I would say that people skip steps. And so um, for me, like one of the most important things, especially because while I'm a marketing strategist, I'm also a storyteller. So people don't seem to get their story straight from the beginning. Like, what are you trying to tell the world? Who are you trying to be in the world? Like, why are you doing this business? Because everybody has a story. And what people forget is that their story matters. And why did you start this business? I don't care if you own a corner store. Like, what led you there? Why should I come to your corner store? What makes you better than the other corner store, right? So I think everybody, like, you have a great idea and you just, like, want to jump and get it started. But, like, let's bring it back in. Let's start from scrap from the beginning. Like, What's your story? What's your voice? What are you trying to tell the world? Um, let's build your brand story first and foremost. Let's build your um, your visual brand story and then your narrative brand story, which is why I've, I've kind of 
I think with almost every client that's come through Sessa, I've said, stop, we're going to build the brand story first because I need to know where we're going and who you are. Then it's setting measurable objectives and realistic objectives. Like where do you want, and, and for some people it might be too hard. They might be too early on in the, in the business to think what five years down the line is. And that's fine. Let's set objectives for the next six months then the next 12 months, right? So it's just biting off small pieces so that they are workable. So understanding like where you want to be when you grow up as a business first, mm -hmm. then we can do a work back. Okay, you want to be uh, the most sought after corner store in your city. All right, what are we going to do to get you there? And that's how we build your strategy. So I would say first and foremost, build your brand story, mm -hmm. figure out who you are and who you want to be. And more, like more than anything in this current consumer uh, landscape, people want to know who they're buying for and people want to know what you stand for before giving you their money, especially in a small business, especially if your item is going to be at a premium price than say going to Amazon, people want to know what they're supporting. So it's super important to have your brand story figured out and what your voice is going to say, because that's going to attract your target market. And then step two would be setting your objectives so that you can build your strategy off of those objectives, because you can't build a strategy, a business or a marketing strategy without knowing where you want to go, because your strategy is your tactics on how you're going to get there. That is so true. And when you said, I like the fact that you said people would want to know what you stand for before they um patronize you i know it's something that i have started looking at too what are your value system especially if you are a non-black business and i have to support you i need to know if you support me as an individual before i decide to patronize your business um i think we're becoming more conscious about where our money should go as opposed to just giving our money even with amazon people were like let's see if giving our money to Jeff Bezos is worth it. And then we saw that he, he's made some changes in giving to black communities. And even his ex-wife gave a huge sum of her alimony to HBCUs. So we are becoming more and more aware of where our money should go. And I think a lot of businesses are now trying, or if, if you're starting a business, what are you, what are your moral values or your values before people actually give you a chance to um, support or give you whatever. And something that I've, I've come across with some clients is, you know, especially if they're like a, uh, a solopreneur, they, and, and some people are more introverted and they feel like, oh, well, Mila, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give my, all of myself to this audience. Like, I don't, I don't want to put myself out there too much. And what I remind people is like your brand story and your brand is not you. It can have pieces of you. It can certainly have parts of you, but you're not expected to, you know, fully give yourself to people. You choose what you want to give. And that's why when I'm working with clients and I do their brand story, you know, you guys have gone through it. I make you fill out that form and it's, it's done by design because, and it's done in that format, because if it's done in the form, then you can sit down on your own, reflect on it and think about it. And you guys decided 
what you were comfortable telling me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then from there, I picked the common themes and built your brand story. But it all stemmed from what you were comfortable sharing, right? And so from there, we build your brand story. Now, you didn't have to tell me all that stuff. You could have told me half of those things that I still could have built a brand story out of it. But it works best when you're authentic because people resonate with authenticity, especially in small businesses. People want to know the real you. They want to know why they should support your dream. They want to know that you're a good person, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, same with me, like now when I'm shopping for small businesses, I'm like an Instagram marketer's dream because I buy totally off of Instagram ads all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I will check the profile. I will see what they're saying about Black Lives Matter. And that will be my decision whether or not I'm going to buy from them. If they are, if they're a non-Black business, uh, if they're a Trump supporter, Oh, hell no, I am not giving you my money. Uh, like that's, that's very clear. Right. So I have my, my, my moral values sets and I will purchase from people who have similar morals and values. And I'm also being targeted by similar, like I'm not being obviously targeted by companies who sell Trump stuff because that like, that's just the algorithm would be completely wrong. So, but I do check. I definitely do check. Um, and you know what, even though Jeff, Jeff Bezos is very heavily criticized by the way he treats his employees and stuff like that, consumers' voices are being heard because now he's bringing in someone whose entire job is to lead the change in culture and see what, you know, staff needs. So yeah, he's a bajillionaire, but like, he's still seeing and hearing that money that would have gone to Amazon is going elsewhere this holiday Mm -hmm. season. So, you know, your story matters as a business person because that's how you attract your target market. And it's also how you attract your ideal market. Because sometimes you'll attract people that like, okay, great, they bought from you or they're listening to your podcast or whatever, but they're not exactly, you know, 100% who you want. The more authentic that you are, the more open and honest that you are and the more you're true about your brand story, you will eventually attract all the right people yeah it's like what's what's the what's the saying the young people say (laughs) um what is it like your vibe attracts your tribe right yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent your vibe definitely attracts your audience (laughs) yeah your audience (laughs) if i'm changing it to be more marketing focused (laughs) yeah and um it's it's interesting because i feel like um people are not 100%. 100%. It's almost like if it's representing you as a person, um, not everybody's ready to be super authentic about who they are. So I think that comes out in, in the brand. And I can say Adjwa and I have gone through this with the podcast. Like we've had so many iterations of it um, until we found something that is like really, um, you know, really personifies who we are as people too. Uh, and I think that people also like as companies evolve, brand stories also evolve. Like it's not like set in stone, right? Just like an artist, their first album will be very different from their fifth album, but there's still something at its core that ties them all together. Right. Right. Um, Well, keeping um, in the essence of time, let's say, 
Um, we'll finish off with this sort of last uh, question because you've, you've really given us so much to work with um, for our own personal brands and stories, but I, I bet for the people that are listening as well. Um, but as we go into, as we are in the new year, what would you say um, with many people who are looking to start fresh, what advice would you give to someone who is looking to start a business or even who currently have a business who are looking to um, refresh, I would say, and just in line with this new beginnings, sort of what, what would your last sort of words be for that? Well, I would say, first of all, take stock, like take stock of what worked, what didn't, where you want to be, how much time you're willing to spend, like really look within yourself and January being like kind of, at least for, you know, anyone listening that's in Canada <laughs> or in Northern US, like January is such a, you know, a crappy month for like seasonal affect disorder or whatever. So, you know, take stock right now. Like now's the time to kind of go inward and take stock and do some soul searching as a person. And then as an entrepreneur, as a business, who you want to be. Um, that's number one. Like you really do a gap analysis where you are now versus where you want to be. Um, if, you are just getting started with something i would that's the same advice that i would give you um but then arm yourself arm yourself with knowledge on your industry your competitors and not to copy just to know what's out there right um because that will help you find your unique voice like we are saturated we are saturated with so much content, so much narrative, so much everything. So who are you going to be in the noise? How are you going to break the noise? Um, and then build your cheer squad, build your resources. Like who's going to cheer you on? Who's going to support you? Who's going to help you? You know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in starting with your network. Like, which one of your friends are going to repost your stuff, are going to, you know, hype you up in the background? Like, gather those people, let them know what you're working on, not from the perspective of, because I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I keep my business to myself because I don't want anybody to know. Well, then you're, being on an island of one is not going to serve you very well. Mm -hmm. See who your real allies are and work with them. I'm not saying go put it on blast and give everybody your, your business, but, you know, find your, your core group of um, allies and cheerleaders and people who are going to support you. And heck, if, you know, Sessa is one of those people in your tool belt, great. Send in an application. We'll see how we can support you. Um, and start. Just do a little bit each day and or a little bit each week or whatever. Like, you know, give yourself measurable objectives. You know what? This week, I just want to research blogging because you want to be a blogger or something. So do that. Doesn't mean you have to write 10 blog posts. But I think what really throws people off or what makes people procrastinate is the idea that everything has to be done 
today. And I will tell you, I'm the most impatient person on the planet. My mom will tell you that since I've been a child, I've wanted everything yesterday. And I struggle with this myself. I want Sessa to be established and big and, and supporting a hundred businesses a year. And, you know, and my husband has to be like, babe, bring it in. Like, just update the website today. You know, <laughs> let's just start there. So I, like, I get it. I, I'm, I'm there. I, I'm like that too. And sometimes I chuckle to myself because the advice that I give my clients is so much easier for me to say than to actually look within. Like how many content is social media content calendars have I done for people? And I haven't updated Sessa in like two weeks, right? So, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really about creating like small measurable chunks of work that is feasible for you and just start like just do it the world needs you that idea that little nugget would not have come into your head if it wasn't divine intervention and i i'm a very very spiritual person and i feel like i was called to sessa whether or not i wanted it like the it, the the nugget was put into my head so clearly the the voice was so clear that I had no choice but to yeah. keep moving, right? And so I feel like if you got that nugget, you got that little piece of creativity that came to you, it was meant for you. And if you don't act on it, it's going to go to someone else. Mm -hmm. um, Elizabeth Gilbert wrote this book. Uh, I think it's called like Big Magic. I read it and she, oh, yes. she, makes, like, she explains that concept so well that like, you know, she had a story idea and she never acted on it and then like never told anybody about it and a good friend of hers wrote the exact book <laughs> that she was gonna write and she was like the nugget of and she's like and wrote it a million times better than she could have given life to that story and so she was she really felt like that nugget of creativity jumped to another soul that was ready to take it on mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's so beautiful. I think that we have guides that throw us little darts, you know, to, to help us along our path, but we have free will, whether or not we choose to act on it, that's, that's on us. Um, but you are supported, whether you are spiritual or not, you are supported, you are divinely supported, and you can also be supported in the, um, you know, the the physical world, um, but you are divinely supported. And so just remember that and remember that you are exactly where you need to be and nothing is going to be thrown at you that you can't handle. Mm -hmm. And so if you are an entrepreneur and you want to see your dream come to life, you are the only person that can do that. It's another way of saying like, it's a beautiful way of saying like you snooze, you lose because I always, my, my partner has these uh, like brilliant ideas and I'm like, you've got to act on it because you're so creative and you're so good. And then like, sure enough, a year later, we see somebody else who has done it, you know? So I love that book, by the way, but it was yeah. really good. Um, yesterday I was, um, cause we're supposed to do our blog post and I was on the toilet yesterday and then all of a sudden I was started thinking of like, oh, you <laughs> I mean, of toilet is a very creative space for me. And then immediately I was like, oh shoot, this is coming to me. Old me would have come back, sat on my bed, chilled, had a sandwich, drank some juice and everything would have dissipated. And the next minute somebody else would have written the same thing. 
but this time I got off the toilet, washed my hands, and came straight to the computer and typed out whatever. And I said, as the, you know, I put it out there two seconds and maybe over the week, I just put add and delete all that needs to be done. So it does make sense. You know, what you said is start now. And so many people have asked me, how did you start a podcast? I said, we just started. We didn't, we didn't have, we were using earphones, <laughs> white earphones and using our phones to record a podcast. And, and, you know, Nicole and I will always say there were days we were sitting in her car and recording a podcast because we had no space. <laughs> we have, we have, we have video footage of that. So yes, we in the car. We were in libraries. <laughs> recording. And you know what? Fun. You know what? Like, you can't say you want something and then expect that it's just going to rain for you. Like, mm -hmm. the universe will support you and the universe will help push you through, but you got to do the work. Because if you're not yeah. showing that this is what you really want, then they're going to be like, all right, well. Peace out. I always laugh and say, I have a whole board of directors up there. Like I got a whole squad that are like flicking me along to keep going. Mm -hmm. And that's because I, I do, I, I take action on things that will help move it forward, no matter how big or small. And I'm not just talking about Sessa. I'm talking about like everything in my life. I go, I approach it from that angle right? I approach how I parent, my day job, getting things that I want, like, you know, buying our first house was such a huge accomplishment and we had to go through a lot of things for it, but we did all the things we said we were going to do to get to where we wanted to be, right? And so, like, people be like, oh, you're so lucky, Mila, like, how did you get all this stuff? Like, how did you build this life? And I'm like, it was intentional. Everything I did was based on what I wanted next. Mm -hmm. I never worked at 16, 17 years old at a fast food restaurant because I knew that any job I took had to help my resume move forward. Mm -hmm. And I'm not like knocking anybody who's worked fast food at all. I'm just saying from a young age, I knew that I had to be intentional with every single thing I did. And that is exactly why I am where I am today. And so I, think entrepreneurs and anybody wanting to start a business has to think about that. Be intentional with everything that you do because it will affect all areas of your life. Don't sit around with your homie smoking blunts if that homie is going to keep you from moving forward. If your homie is going to sit around with you smoking a blunt and talking about how you can move your business forward, by all means, do it. But don't sit around being a waste you and thinking that your business is going to grow. Like, you know, so everything has to be intentional and the universe will help you along when you start uh, looking at things from that perspective. Thank you, Mila. I think the call has to go. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm going to let you like, you know, totally do a, a lovely ending <laughs> to our conversation. <laughs> but I want to just say, um, Mila, thank you so much. You're so engaging. And I just look forward for us to work with you in the future. But I just have to bounce out because my partner is yelling at me um, as a meeting. <laughs> and our son is going to cause some ruckus and noise. So. Your kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's been a pleasure. Good. Uh, uh, thank you so much and happy. Uh, oh, happy, happy day. <laughs> happy, happy, happy new year. Day. Yes, happy new year. So uh yes, all right. Take care guys. Bye. Bye. So Mila, 
I have enjoyed this conversation. I wish we could go on and on and on because there's so much to talk about, especially with new beginnings, especially as black businesses, um, people are starting. I know with everything that's gone on in 2020 with COVID, people have lost their jobs and everyone is thinking, how do I sustain my family? How do we keep going forward? I know a lot of people are becoming more creative in starting up businesses or having some kind of income stream coming in where if corporate has failed, at least our bellies are still being fed. So it'll be so great. Like, you know, like I'm sure people are going to listen and say, hey, this is how what I needed to hear in order for me to start because it gets overwhelming you know, to start a business or to start something new, um, to start that bot, pot, podcast or that blog or that YouTube channel or to sell um, clothing, especially, as you said, in a saturated market, um, you feel like your voice is going to be lost in the sauce. But I read somewhere that somebody said, if you go to the water aisle in a grocery store, there are so many brands of water on there but people will pick the waters that they want. So you're still competing with many people, but there's somebody who wants your product. So it'll be really great, definitely. As we go along in our journey um, with you, it'll be great to bring you back on one of these days to talk about not only new beginnings, but there's so many other topics that we would love to have you on. And I just want to say thank you happy to anytime and you know what if you guys um decide you know are we are we still on the podcast yes <laughs> we're still on <laughs> um i'm happy to come on anytime you want i'm happy to do if after this episode you guys get a lot of questions from entrepreneurs um if they want to if you guys want to do a live or something where we yes. have some of your listeners and answer some questions um, I'm happy to do that as well. Yes, definitely. And we are going to tag you on social media so that anybody who's interested in signing up with Sessa to start their business, especially if you're stuck, you don't know where to start and you need Mila to guide you to help you start, you can definitely contact her. And you're only focusing on North America right now, or are you looking outside of North America in the new year? Well, I mean, we're, we don't, we don't discriminate, um, <laughs> but uh, the, re the reason we've been focusing on North America is just because it's, I know the market here, right? Like it would be harder for me to advise on a business in let's say Ghana because I don't know the market there. Mm -hmm. So we, I, I say like apply and if we can help you, we will take you on. If we can't, we always look for someone to take you on. Um, but you know there's no harm in applying the application process is really simple um yeah and we, the currently are are we're not taking on new clients but we will be taking on our next class uh mm -hmm. probably at the end of january we'll be okay. reopening the applications and hopefully you get volunteers from all over the world so then you can open up to have businesses from all over the world too because then you know they have someone who knows the market exactly where they live so this is just the beginning. We're hoping for bigger and better things That's for you in, the new, in this new year, 2021. But again, thank you, Mila, so much. We appreciate you. We appreciate what you've done for our brand. And we can't wait to see what the rest of the year 
has to offer. And to our audience, thank you very much for tuning in today. Hope you got some nuggets and we are looking forward to having you back here listening to us on our next episode of Fun Pass. So see you later, guys. Bye.